Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi. You're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Discovery. Time flies when you're learning super cool stuff. I'm Nate. And I'm Callie. If you're dropping in for the first time, welcome to Curiosity, where we aim to blow your mind by helping you to grow your mind. If you're a loyal listener, welcome back. Today, you'll learn about how happiness fluctuates with age, a study that suggests compassion fatigue might be a self-fulfilling prophecy, and a possible new revolution in arthritis treatment. Without further ado, let's satisfy some curiosity. A massive review of studies on happiness has attempted to answer once and for all, at what age are humans the happiest? Okay, so this is the age-old question. So do I have a bounty of joy to look forward to, or are all of my happy days a thing of the past? Well, it's complicated. Yeah, I was kind of afraid you were going to say that. Yeah, this question has actually been studied for decades, but no single study has been able to really nail down What age represents the happiest for most of us? So an international team of researchers decided that instead of conducting their own study, they'd look at a bunch of studies that have already been done to see what trends they could pinpoint. Got it. So they basically compared the results of lots of studies to see what they had in common? Exactly. And one benefit of doing research that way is that you get massive amounts of data. They found samples from 443 longitudinal studies with over 460,000 total participants. Holy crap, that is huge. And the longitudinal means those studies looked at the participants over a span of time, right? Yes. So you can probably assume that the studies that they, well, studied, probably took into account the changes in happiness over time to get a better picture of just when people are happy and when they aren't. Okay. So what did they find? Well, like I said, it's complicated. To make sure they were finding specific results, they analyzed three components of subjective well-being. Life satisfaction, positive emotional states, and negative emotional states. And subjective well-being just means that it's what the participants were feeling at the time, right? Yeah, subjective is feeling. Objective just means pure facts. And that's one reason it's been so hard to figure out at what age people are happiest, because it's pretty subjective. But the thing about these three components of well-being is that you can feel each of them at the same time. You can have some measure of life satisfaction while you also experience a continuum of positive and negative emotional states. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Our, Our happiness isn't all or nothing. We're usually somewhere in between. When the findings are pretty interesting. When it comes to life satisfaction, we get worse from about 9 to about 16 years of age. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Puberty, middle school. I mean, I hear that loud and clear. Fair. But then it increases a little bit until about the age of 70. And then it declines again until we hit 96. Okay, I guess if you make it to 96, what else do you have to worry about? Something like that. So positive emotional states are a little more constant. They decline from age 9 to about 94. 
And negative emotional states fluctuate until we're about 22, and then they decline until we hit 60, and then they go up again. Okay, okay. It's a little confusing because it seems like it's all over the place. Am I hearing it wrong? No, no, you're not wrong. This study presents a really complex picture of human happiness over our lifetimes. But the trend, if you boil it all down, is that we tend to get happier as we age. But that trend stops between the ages of 60 and 70 or so. At that point, we start to get less happy. Okay, so why is that? Well, they don't really know for sure, but they think it might have to do with our declining physical health and the fact that many older people are also more isolated. Social contact pays high dividends when it comes to happiness, and older people are more frequently alone. So it sounds like I have some good times to look forward to, but also some tough times. Yeah, sounds a lot like, you know, life, doesn't it? (laughs) Okay, okay, that's fair. I guess it's important to know this stuff so that we understand what feelings to look for during our lives, and maybe we can do things to prevent some of the more negative trends we get later on in life. And that is exactly the bigger point of this study. Happiness over the course of lifetime isn't static. It's constantly fluctuating. But there are lots of things we can do to change those trends. A couple of years ago, as the pandemic was raging and hospital beds were filling up, an old concept called compassion fatigue took the spotlight as a real problem being experienced by healthcare workers all over the world. Compassion fatigue. Like, it sounds familiar. I've heard the term, but I'm not so sure what it means. Yeah, I know. I So actually, one of my best friends is a nurse, and she kind of helped me understand this a little bit. I've seen the term used on social media and elsewhere, but didn't understand exactly what it was referring to. So it happens when someone is constantly helping others, especially when you're helping people through tough times of great stress or trauma. Ah, so healthcare and frontline workers must really be affected by it because it's literally their job to help people through trauma. Pretty much. It's pretty common knowledge that people who choose to go into healthcare are often simply more interested in caring for others and helping to relieve suffering. But taking on that kind of burden can take a toll. Compassion fatigue happens when caring for others just becomes too much. So it's like burnout, sort of? Um, yes, but not exactly. Burnout is just that piling up exhaustion you feel after working tirelessly for too long. Compassion fatigue specifically comes from helping people and being overwhelmed by the trauma of others. Okay, how do you know if you have it? You feel physical, psychological, and emotional exhaustion. It can make you feel helpless, hopeless, and powerless. People who suffer from it report feeling irritable, angry, sad, numb. There's this sense of detachment. It's hard to feel pleasure. I think it's fascinating that empathy and compassion can have such an impact on people. Like Usually you think of empathy as making us feel more connected, right? Oh, absolutely. It's important to remember that empathy and compassion are both good things, which is why researchers wanted to know what was going on with compassion fatigue. A new study looked at how people's perception of compassion and empathy affected their risk for developing symptoms of compassion fatigue. Wait, so they wanted to figure out if you were more likely to have compassion fatigue if... You thought about it a certain way? I mean, yeah, sort of. They conducted research across four studies and found that people who view compassion as a limited resource that can be all used up are more likely to experience compassion fatigue. Hmm. So if you think your compassion tank can empty out, then it probably will. Exactly. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It 
least according to this study. But there's good news. It turns out that people's minds can change. While limited compassion mindsets are associated with lower feelings of compassion, lower quality social support, and, I mean, you know, fatigue, all of that can be improved simply by helping the person change their mindset. We have to help the helpers. Yep. If a caregiver begins to internalize the idea that compassion is an endless well, then symptoms of compassion fatigue lessen, and that's probably the bigger point of this study. Caregivers need the kind of support that they themselves are trained to give. So if you feel like there's not much compassion gas in the tank, you just have to remember, there is no tank. I huh? I don't get the reference. You, the, the Matrix? The movie? The, the Matrix? I've never seen it. You've never seen The Matrix? I've been busy! It came out in 1999. I'll get around to it. Oh my goodness. Eventually. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A new study is showing some promise for a possibly crazy new arthritis treatment that sort of uses stem cells. <laughs> okay, wait, it, it sort of uses stem cells? Well, yeah. So this study looked mostly at osteoarthritis, which we've all heard about a lot. By some estimates, more than half a billion people suffer from it worldwide. But not everyone knows just exactly what it is. Yeah, I actually have this, and a lot of my family does too, so I'm pretty familiar with it. Mm, right. So the long and short of osteoarthritis is that it is a degenerative disease that affects the joints. The tissues around those joints start to break down, which can cause pain and stiffness. And it can be pretty awful. It can damage the cartilage, the tendons, and the ligaments, and even start to wear down the bone. And the joints and the tissues can become inflamed too, right? Yes, absolutely. And that's where this new study comes in. So researchers have had some luck treating osteoarthritis with stem cells. Those cells can help reduce inflammation and keep tissues healthy. But there's a problem. It's not super easy to transport or store stem cells. And to make matters worse, some patients' immune systems just outright reject the stem cells. Huh. And here I thought stem cells were going to be the answer for everything. I know. If you follow the news, you think you just throw stem cells at your next sniffle and be done with it. But of course, that's not exactly the case. But stem cells have shown promise in treating arthritis. So researchers wanted to know exactly what it was about stem cells that was so helpful. If they could figure out exactly what's going on, maybe they could fine-tune the treatment. Okay, I see. So rather than just randomly shooting a bunch of stem cells at the problem, they want to dig a little deeper. Basically, yeah. So they looked at something called stem cell-derived extracellular vesicles. <laughs> Is that going to be on the quiz? Mm, yeah, we'll just call them EVs for short. And they're these tiny particles that come from stem cells and communicate information from the stem cell to the other cells around it. Okay, they're like the bike messenger for the stem cell. Right, and in previous studies, they have been shown to help slow the aging progress in mice. Oh, and we've talked a lot about the aging process before. Uh, a lot of it has to do with inflammation. 
Bullseye. The thinking was maybe these EVs could help reduce the inflammation associated with arthritis. Okay, so did it? Yep, sure enough. When the researchers introduced EVs to cells experiencing an inflammatory state, the inflammation was reversed. They also found that the mRNA in the EVs had a positive impact on the formation of cartilage, which was another positive sign. Okay, that all sounds amazing. So then, does that mean that arthritis will soon be a thing of the past? Well, not so fast. It's important to note that this study was conducted on cells, not living animals. They need to do way more research, especially in animal models, to prove that these EVs are an effective potential treatment for osteoarthritis. Gotcha. Okay, but in the meantime, it sounds like we should keep our eyes out for new studies with these magical EVs. They put the extra in extracellular vesicle. Of course you had to end on a pun. Let's recap what we learned today to wrap up. Researchers have uncovered intriguing trends in life satisfaction, finding that it dips at 16, peaks around 70, then declines again until we hit 96. Life seems to follow a distinct pattern of ups and downs on the happiness scale, with a few bumps along the way. Compassion fatigue is a condition where our ability to feel empathy for others diminishes due to repeated exposure to suffering. It's especially common in healthcare workers. But new research suggests that simply changing our belief that compassion is a limited resource may hold the key to renewing our capacity to care and offer stronger support for others. In a groundbreaking study, scientists have harnessed the power of tiny communication capsules called stem cell-derived extracellular vesicles, or EVs, to potentially combat the pain and inflammation of osteoarthritis. These microscopic messengers released by special stem cells were found to soothe inflammation and protect cartilage in laboratory experiments, offering hope for a future where osteoarthritis sufferers might find relief through this innovative approach. Curiosity Daily is produced by Wheelhouse DNA for Discovery. You can follow our show wherever you get your podcasts, and we would love it if you could take a second to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. 